0: The Crisis Next Door, a weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world with host Jason Brooks. Thank you for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Somalia has been engulfed by the flames of war and terrorism for three decades, and 2019 is promising to be one of the deadliest years in some time. Al-Shabaab has been bolder in its attacks on government and civilian targets, while the U.S. has escalated its airstrikes against the militant Islamic group. Joining The Crisis Next Door to talk about the situation is Harun Marouf, a journalist with Voice of America and co-author of the book Inside Al-Shabaab. Harun, thank you for joining The Crisis Next Door.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.
0: The Somali government has largely controlled the urban areas in the country, while Al-Shabaab has rooted itself in the countryside. But the group this year has been more frequently attacking cities, including Mogadishu. Why do you think Al-Shabaab has adjusted its strategy?
1: Al-Shabaab are a global jihadist group, very resourceful, very resilient, probably the most resilient jihadist group we have ever seen, uh, very adaptable, and they have been kicked out, as you rightly said, from major cities in Somalia. They have been largely operating in the countryside, but they have never stop it, carrying out relentless attacks, raids uh, in major cities, on hotels, on courts, on the on the presidential palace, on the parliament. Uh, the reason al-Shabaab has been able to do this is, uh, as I have told you at the beginning, they are very resourceful. They have been training suicide bombers, uh, technicians, bomb makers for a long time, for more than a decade now. Uh, so they have the uh, manpower, they have the, they know the technology, they know the know-how, uh, and they have the time to prepare uh, this kind of attack. When I say they have the time, it's because they are not under pressure. Uh, there has not been an attack, direct attack, on Al-Shabaab since 2014. Uh, that's the last time a major city has been Kick it out of them. And uh, they have had that much time. And when you give a very resourceful, 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 dangerous militant group that time, they're going to pick and choose their targets. And that's why uh, they have really carried out these deadly attacks in the cities, primarily the capital, Mogadishu.
0: The Somali military has struggled in years of fighting al-Shabaab, and in 2017, the government initiated the Operational Readiness Assessment, finding about one in three Somali soldiers lacking weapons. Has this situation improved at all?
1: The situation has not improved at all. The current government has uh, been largely working on improving uh, paying salaries Uh, to members of the military. Uh, That was one of the biggest problems in the past. So recently they have set up a new uh, computerizer system uh, to pay and process the payments for the soldiers. But in terms of equipping, training, uh, mentally enforcing uh, the Somali troops, that has been the biggest challenge. One of the major challenges has been to reintegrate Uh, Somali military with uh, regional forces. Uh, So we have a country called Somalia, but realistically, practically, we have a very much uh, disintegrated country controlled by central government in small parts parts of the country. The rest of the country is controlled by uh, federal member states or regions. They have their own forces. Uh, these forces in the regions and the central government are supported and trained by different countries, including the United States, Turkey, um, United Arab Emirates, Ethiopia, Uganda, European Union. So there were so many kinds of training offered uh, to Somali forces, but there has not been a centralized training, a uniform training uh, from one military training facility in the country. But on the other hand, you have to understand that Somalia has been under the United Nations impergo since 1992, which was imposed at the time when there was civil war between warlords. And up to now, the United Nations is not confident that if the Somali government is allowed to import heavy weaponry. They can buy small weapons like AK-47, but they still have to report and register with the UN monitoring uh, group. But the UN uh, member states, especially the UN Security Council, believes that if Somali government is allowed to import large weaponry, tanks, artillery, um, then this weapon is is in danger of falling into the hands of dangerous groups, including al-Shabaab. And there were examples of weapons falling into the hands of Al Shabaab, in the past, recorded by the UN monitoring UN monitoring group. Um, so that's why still Somali forces are not better armed than Al Shabaab.
0: Harun, is it even realistic for Mogadishu to think that it can bring together these various groups within its country and and bring it into one centralized space and fight for Somalia against Al Shabaab? Is that just too hard of a project to, to put forth right now for a fractured country like Somalia?
1: Um, to answer that question, I have to give you a little bit of background and to give you a bigger picture. Uh, Somalia has come a long way. If you compare the current situation to uh, 1993, 94, early 90s, uh, even early 2000, uh, when there were warlords in the capital. Um, Somalia has been lawless for such a long time, Uh, governments have been dysfunctional, Um, there were lack of trust between the different groups and regions and functions, but since 2004 we have had the the current federal government. Previously it was the transitional federal government, but from 2012 Somalia has uh, ratified a new constitution, constitution, which still is a work in progress. But we have also set up a permanent um, government, which was recognized by the international community, including the United States. Uh, There has been successive governments. There have been elections. uh, There have been peaceful hand of, of power by different leaders. We have had three elections since 2009, and each leader has handed over the power to his successor when his, uh, he was defeated. So in that regard, there has been a progress, and there is a, the national institution is, uh, is slowly coming back. The international support is there, but locally the Somali politics have not progressed. There has not been really a development of uh, very strong national institutions, including the military, uh, constitution, um, collaboration between the federal government and regions. And as we speak, uh, the Somali federal member states or the regions have stopped it, cooperating with the federal government. This is to do with politics. This is to do with power sharing. This is to do with uh, who is going to influence uh, upcoming elections in 2020 or early 2021. And uh, the term for each government, each president, so far has been four years. Somalia has never reelected a president so the term for every president uh, so far during the last 30 years has been four years so the first two years of any new president any new incomer has been to really catch up with the situation familiarize, familiarize with the situation understand the magnitude of the task in place and the following two years they start campaigning for the next election so not a lot of state building has been done in Somalia. And that's one of the major challenges, one of the major disappointments, not only for Somalis, but also for the international community.
0: The U.S. military has ramped up attacks on Shabab this year, with the pace in airstrikes this year looking to kill more Shabab fighters than any other year. Is this escalation having much of an impact on the ground?
1: The United States has been targeting al-Shabab leaders since 2008, the top leadership of al-Shabaab uh, have been decimated by al-Shabaab—have been decimated by the United States airstrikes, uh, including uh, two of the founders of the group, uh, the former leader of the group, Ahmed Abdi Guzani, who was trained in Afghanistan, um, has been killed in U- by by U.S. airstrike. Uh, On September 1st, 2014, before that, uh, one of the leading military leaders of al-Shabaab has been also killed by U.S. strikes in central Somalia. So the United States has been taking out one after the other of the key individuals of the group. But nonetheless, the group has continued to operate. They have continued to replace their leaders. What we have seen within the last few years have been a slightly different approach by the United States, which, unlike before, the United States is targeting ordinary foot soldiers of Al-Shabaab. Um, they are targeting um, mid-level commanders, bomb makers, people who are sending uh, cars loaded with explosives into the major cities. So. If we say, has the United States succeeded in massively undermining or reducing the capacity capability of al-Shabaab, the answer would be no. If we say, has the United States succeeded in disrupting, um, undermining, halting uh, al-Shabaab attacks in major cities, the answer would be yes. And one other significant thing is that the number of air strikes last year by the by the United States was forty seven this year so far, we have seen about forty air strikes in the country, so it's a major escalation of air strikes and based on our interviews with people on the ground um these air strikes disrupt scare al Shabaab leaders and strategists, Um, it doesn't give them a lot of time uh, to meet and plan and gather, uh, because if they gather these airstrikes, are going to pick up their location and uh, they're going to be targeted. So they're spending really a significant time of their uh, stay in the countryside by hiding or moving from one place to another uh, or devising tactics in order to avoid these airstrikes. So on that side, uh, yes, they have been disruptive, these airstrikes. But in order to defeat al-Shabaab, you're going to need very robust ground operation uh, to support, complement the airstrikes. And so far, we haven't had that.
0: You're listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks, and we're talking about Somalia's fight with al-Shabaab with Haroun Marouf a journalist with Voice of America and co-author of the book Inside Al-Shabaab. One of the key factors in preventing Shabaab from gaining control of the country was the participation of the African Union mission in Somalia, Amazon for short. There have been some troop withdrawals from that original contingent of 22,000 led by Kenya. First off, how would you describe Amazon's effectiveness in curtailing Shabaab? There were some notable victories early on in the mission, but they seem to have faded away.
1: Yeah. AMISOM has been very successful at the beginning in 2010, 2011, 2012, up until 2014. They have been helping Somali government expand its authority, take major towns from Al-Shabaab, and they have succeeded in helping the government um, take over all the major port towns. I say port towns, because Al-Shabaab has been heavily relying on exporting charcoals from uh, some ports in Somalia, and they have been generating a very huge amount of money in order to support their, to finance their operations. So AMSOM was very successful. What has happened during the last four or five years is that uh, the training and the building of Somali security forces has been stagnant. Political disagreement has been repetitive, Uh, political bickering has been coming back time and again, and uh, it's just natural that troops that have come to Somalia to support, who have paid a huge price in life. Uh, We have seen 140 Kenyan troops killed in one operation, 59 uh, Brundian troops killed in another operation, um, 19 Ugandans killed another. But the number of troops uh, who died from AMISOM could be more than a thousand. AMISOM and the African Union have never officially announced or disclosed the number of casualties, but they have suffered a lot. Um, so they have been relying on or we're expecting that the Somali leaders will really step up and take over responsibilities uh, and at least prepare troops in order to take over responsibility from African Union troops. So it's partially the responsibility of really, not partially, the lar- largely it's the responsibility and the failure of the Somali leaders really to train uh, a viable, strong security forces to take over from AMISOM that has... Uh, decrease it or demoralize it, Amazon troops in carrying out more attacks against Al-Shabaab. Somalia is a big country, and if you really need to remove Al-Shabaab from Somalia and control all the major towns, you need very large uh, troop presence. Amazon has 22,000 troops to control Somalia and support and conduct and fight against a guerrilla group you need more troops so the african union troops have paid a heavy price in fighting somalia in supporting the somali government but given the lack of uh, support from the somali side given the failure to build a viable strong national army um, and given the uh, sluggish support to amazon financially by the eu and the united states Uh, They have not been forthcoming in order to take on al-Shabaab in the countryside. That's a vast land, a large territory. It's going to need really the deployment of more troops from African Union uh, countries. And so far we do not have anybody really uh, pledging to uh, support or uh, send or to contribute troops to Somalia.
0: Given that fact, how critical is it that Kenya is pulling its troops out of Amazon?
1: Uh, We do not have a definitive confirmation that Kenya wants to entirely withdraw its troops from Somalia. We have seen Kenya withdrawing from uh, forward operating bases in southwestern Somalia, in the region called Gedo. Uh, But these troops have been moving uh, in areas closer to the border between Somalia and Kenya. Uh, But Kenya's forces are largely present in lower Juba region. That is Kismayo. It's one of the major port towns in Somalia. Um, They have been supporting the local region Regional administration, and Kenya troops are still there. We know there is a diplomatic dispute between Somalia and Kenya, and this dispute is coming. Uh, it's largely based on the maritime dispute between Somalia and Kenya, which is before the International Court of Justice, and each country is claiming the ownership of a of of a uh, parts of the. Indian Ocean, Um, Somalia believes it belongs to them, Kenya believes otherwise. Uh, We are waiting the court to reach verdict towards the end of this year, but Kenya has not been happy with Somalia. Kenya wants Somalia and Kenya to negotiate on this disputed area, but Somalia believes that it has a case. And that's why it's insisting on international mediation rather than the two countries' talking about this uh, dispute. But this dispute has uh, affected the presence of Kenya troops in Somalia. It has raised the question whether Somalia really will continue to accept the presence of Kenya troops in Somalia. Kenya on its side has been diplomatically pressuring Somalia. In February, Kenya uh, told the Somali ambassador in Nairobi to go back to Mogadishu. Uh, just the last week, Kenya has... Um, denied entry to three Somali officials, including a minister, to go to Nairobi and attend a conference. Today Kenya has uh, stated that it's not going to allow unaccompanied baggage from Somalia to enter Kenya. So this dispute is going to continue, it's going to get worse in the coming months. Whether that is going to um, affect the entire presence of Ukraine troops in Somalia, time will tell. I don't think Kenya wants to withdraw troops, but if Kenya continues pressurizing Somalia diplomatically, Somalia is a very weak country, uh, Somalia might call or ask Kenya to withdraw troops.
0: This seems like the kind of situation that Shabab would like to exploit, the fact that Nairobi and Mogadishu are at loggerheads over this issue right now.
1: Yeah, that would be... Uh, Um, A welcome development for Al Shabaab. Al Shabaab would want to retake areas controlled by, at the moment, by the Kenyan and Somali regional forces in Lower Juba, including Kismayo. Kismayo is the third largest port in Somalia, and uh, previously it has been uh, the major revenue generating port for Al-Shabaab. That's where they were exporting charcoal. So if Kenya withdraws uh, and there is no other African troops in their place to help a local region, Al-Shabaab could exploit that. But also Al-Shabaab could take over areas outside Kismaya. It's not only about controlling the cities. If you control the areas around the major cities, that means you crippling the movement, uh, of, of that particular area. And Al-Shabaab Al-Shabaab is um, ancestral, if I might put it that way, where Al-Shabaab was created, the founding leaders of Al-Shabaab were trained, or uh, is, is in lower Juba, it's in the Qismaya area. So that area is very uh, it's a forest land, it has a lot of jungles uh, about 300 kilometers from Kismay all the way to Kenya border. It's an area that Al-Shabaab always finds it easy to hide, operate, launch attacks from. Uh, Al-Shabaab is very much comfortable in that area. But if the Kenya forces vacate more towns, that's going to be a more lifeline for Al-Shabaab.
0: Haroon, is total defeat of Shabab a reasonable approach or even realistic? There are some critics who say the U.S. should help Mogadishu focus on pursuing a negotiated settlement with Shabab, which, of course, would legitimize Shabab as a political party. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, it is a possibility. A total defeat of Al Shabab is a possibility. It can happen. It can be achieved. But it's a long war. It's going to need uh, a robust effort on multiple fronts, not just military, not just um, political. Uh, Al-Shabaab is not just a militant group. It's very much entrenched in the community. They are part of the society. Uh, They are primarily a Somali militant group with the help of foreign jihadists. They have um, infiltrated the military, the intelligence, the business community, um, almost every sector of the Somali society. So you're going to need some of, the, some of the Al-Shabaab leaders are diehard jihadists, and the only answer to them would be to defeat militarily. Uh, some of them are with Al-Shabaab. Uh, ideologically, they have been brainwashed. You need to approach them ideologically and address that. And em- employ scholars, intellectuals. Uh, some people are with Al Shabaab because they are making money. Uh, it's a money-making machine. You can exploit people, collect finances, um, import, export, illicit stuff, including weapons, strikes. Some people are making money, so you need know, to address the economical aspect of Al-Shabaab. And you also need to really address the large part of Al-Shabaab, who are the foot soldiers who are being brainwashed. And you need to give them hope, you need to give them really, really uh, an alternative. You can't just uh, wash them aside and say uh, they are terrorists, they have no hope, they are defeated, they are khawarij or... Takfirs, they, they, some of them can be rehabilitated. Some of them can change. Uh, so this is why multiple fronts would be needed in order to uh, defeat al-Shabaab.
0: It sounds like years of painful patience will be needed for Somalia's salvation. Harun, thank you very much for joining us here on The Crisis Next Door.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We've been joined by Harun Marouf, a journalist with Voice of America and co-author of the book Inside Al-Shabaab. Thanks for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Till next time. The Crisis Next Door with host Jason Brooks is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com.